Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Oh, welcome to the second Halloween episode of Late Seeding! I am Jason. Did I murder a whole bunch of people in a wild killing spree and then disappear into the misty mists of the backwoods? Harding! And I'm Steve. I put knives on my glove for some reason. Shives. Oh, yeah. You know what, Steve? I'm a little tired doing the podcast. I haven't, I haven't had gotten a whole lot of sleep. I've been plagued by these awful dreams. Really? What are you? What What are you been dreaming about? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, there's this guy in my dreams, and he's wearing a baseball cap, and he's always chasing me and trying to make me watch Superman Returns. Really? And I don't want to watch it, and he keeps pinning me down and forcing me to watch it. And the worst part is, is can you hear that? What? What? Uh, uh, creepy music, and I think I hear a, a nursery rhyme. One, two, Stevie's coming for you. Three, four, lock your movie drawer. Five, six, watch movie classics. Seven, eight, are they really great? Nine. Can I just say how happy you've made me? I was so hoping you were going to do a riff on that nursery rhyme, and you did. What are you talking about? That was right in my head. Oh, sorry. You heard it too? Yeah. Holy hey, shit! Can I tell you, I, I had the same dream, but in the dream, I was the one chasing the guy and holding him down and making him watch Superman Returns. <laughs> it was the best dream I've ever had. Oh, hey, kids, that opening bit didn't tell you what we do, so here we go. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) On this show, Steve and I take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. Mm -hmm. And this time around, we're going to be reviewing the modern horror movie classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Starring every... (laughs) Starring, uh... Nobody! (laughs) Starring starring Robert England, who also guest-starred in an episode of MacGyver. Oh, God. Can we have a show where you don't mention... Oh, kids, it's so spooky. He mentions MacGyver on every episode. Hey, if you know if there was a MacGyver movie, I would be pushing to review that thing every week. <laughs> MacGyver meets the Frankenstein. Hey, that's the direction Mac- they should have gone. <laughs> that would have saved the whole he t- thing. He takes him apart with his little pocket knife. <laughs> he loosens the bolts on his neck and his head falls off. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he turns that, that head into a, like a miniature tank to escape the castle. Yeah. It'd be awesome. And there's like a voiceover where he's explaining, you know, like, when I was a kid, I used to take brains out of skulls for fun, but now... <laughs> That's right, kids. On a, a nightmare on Elm Street. The original, not number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight... <laughs> Nine, Freddy versus Jason, Freddy versus uh, the Parents League of America. <laughs> Freddy versus waning audience interest. Freddy versus the Martians waning on- <laughs> The original, the one that everyone um, like kind of praises a lot. Yeah, the one that looks really good it's... after many, many years of Horror Inferior sequels. No. No, okay. Uh, oh, that'll come up in our review. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it away, sorry. That movie! Are you ready, Steve? I am so to, ready. To do the who made it and what, what, where did it come from? I want to know who's responsible for this. <laughs> okay, here we go. 
A Nightmare on Elm Street was directed by Wes Craven. He also made, you know, like uh, Last House on the Left and uh, The Hills Have Eyes and uh, the Scream movies. Yeah. And uh, he made Serpent in the Rainbow, too, didn't he? I think he did. I think he yeah. did. Yeah. He's a guy who thinks very highly of his writing. Uh, produced by... <laughs> Robert Shea, don't know who he is, written by Wes Craven, way to go. Apparently Wes Craven was inspired for this by uh, reading a news article in which some um, immigrants from some war-torn country um, were having some sort of sleep problem and then they died. And he was like, hey, I'm going to take that interesting story about these guys escaping from a war-torn place who have problems sleeping to the point in which they die and make it with teenagers and put a boogeyman in it. Yeah, well, I mean, credit credit to Craven's screenwriting. That inspiration really does come across. Excuse me, Steve, but one of the creatures of the night, namely my stupid cat, is making so much noise, I have to get rid of it. <laughs> come here, you motherfucker! I'll kill you! Oh my god, he is actually killing the cat. I don't know why I'm laughing. I kind of spoiled it there, didn't I? If he was actually killing the cat, I shouldn't have laughed at it. Or maybe I should have. I hope you weren't speaking out of turn. I wasn't. <laughs> okay. You'll just have Where to listen we? to it and find out. <clears throat> Okay, Synthesizer by Charles Bernstein. <laughs> I mean music. Cinematography by Jacques Haitkin. Uh, sure. Edited by Patrick McMahon and Rick Shane. Starring Heather Langenkamp as Nancy. Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger. Hey, do you know someone who was actually signed but had to drop out because of a scheduling conflict to play Freddy Krueger? Who? He's one of our favorites. And if he had been cast, this movie would have been a million times weirder. <sighs> <laughs> uh, I guarantee you, you won't be able to guess. I have no idea. David Warner. Wow. <laughs> that would have been a he little did, different. He did makeup tests and everything. He was good to go. And then he, I guess he had a scheduling conflict with another movie and had to drop out. Or he went, oh dear, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> I'm a trained actor, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to kill children for 90 minutes. <laughs> So they had to scramble, and they got Robert England. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ra, Robert England. Robert England. Who uh, managed to do it because the schedule fell right where he was filming while he was filming V. Oh, wow. Yeah, he played one of the alien, one of the nice guy aliens in V. Um, John Saxon. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been trying to train myself to not say John Saxon without <laughs> laughing. John Saxon, small town sheriff. John John Saxon as Lieutenant Don Thompson. Uh, Johnny Depp, who looks like he's all of 12 years old in this movie, yeah. as Glenn. Ronnie Blakely as Marge. Amanda Wiss as Tina. Nick Corey as Rod Lane. Joe Unger as Sergeant Garcia. Charles Fleischer as Dr. King. Joseph Whip as Sergeant Parker. Uh, it was produced by New Line Cinemas, Medium Home Entertainment, and Smart Egg Pictures. Distributed by New Line Cinema. It was released on November 9th, 1984. Running time, 91 minutes. <sighs> so much. Budget, 1.8 million. Box office, care to guess, Steve? A jillion. No, not really. 25.5 million. But on a $1 million budget and New Line being a struggling new company, they went, oh, thank you. Yeah. Please make 900 more. <laughs> this, this movie is why people used to refer to New Line as the house that Freddy built. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, that house that Freddy built also brought us the Lord of the Rings movies. Well, thankfully to some. Shut up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and I promise you guys, that's coming. When when I'm really angry at Steve someday, I'm going to be like, fuck it, Lord of the Rings. You'll know that I have done something to really piss Jason off. <laughs> 
All right, let's get to it. Uh, do you have any trivia you'd like to share before we start with the recap of the plot of this super spooky movie? Ooh, um, actually, I don't this time. No, I don't really have any super interesting trivia. Neither do I. Other than the fact that he had, uh, that uh, Wes Craven had made a couple of really, I guess, classic movies. I hate both of those films. <laughs> I hate both Last Last House on the Left. I understand that they say things about stuff, but you know what? I'm, we're going to get into it a little bit later. Freddy... The Freddy movies, this movie specifically, and Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes have fallen into the, hey, let's over-psychoanalyze these movies. <laughs> and this is one of them. And he, he just went, I guess Wes Craven went with it because now he, he always talks about his films like they have some deeper meaning, like with Scream and everything else. And I've always found it to be kind of pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there. You can you can look at almost any movie and, and identify larger themes, but I mean, it's a there's a difference between doing that and like pretending it's a deep movie. You uh huh. Know? When it's actually just a movie where kids get killed <laughs> for our entertainment. Exactly. All right. Well, if we don't have anything else this scary, let's go turn a left on Main. Go up Whipple Avenue. Don't you can't make a left turn on Elm Street. You have to go around to the side street. Turn 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 on Regis and then turn again on uh, 2nd Street and then you can make a left turn onto Elm Street. Steve? Take it away. Um, I turned into a bat and flew away. No one heard that. (laughs) I don't want to recap the movie. We need to get that sound effects guy from Prairie Home Companion. Oh yeah, that would be great. I I sense a slight tone of sarcasm. Um... Okay, so we we open with, just in case you, I guess Wes Craven was worried that maybe we would get halfway through the movie and we'd start to wonder, hey, where'd Freddy's glove come from? So he... he yeah, you, you can't buy that at the, like, at the, the, at the Home Depot. No, they don't. They don't just sell those. So we get... Thankfully, this dude has all the things he needs to make it right there in his spooky basement. <laughs> just laying around. Like, the, the idea just took him one day. He was actually a normal person just sitting in his basement, you know, do to do and he's like, hey, if I took that and that and that, I could make a murder glove. <laughs> you know, for when you want to stab someone, not just once, but four times all at once. That's right. Uh, so we open with the the origin sequence of Freddy's glove, basically. Yeah. You see... You know, the important part of Freddy. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> according to how this movie is shot, yes. Uh, <laughs> and we, we see the Freddy, presumably Freddy, although we don't really see him other than his hands, uh, putting the glove together, putting attaching knives to a glove, hammering yeah. stuff, welding, welding stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going going online to check to make sure that his glove is actually accurate, you know, screen accurate <laughs> to the one that's being made. Comparing it to screen captures of the movie. Okay, this is it. This is definitely yeah. it. Posting pictures up there going, this is how screen accurate I've got it all the way down to the rivets. That You know, the fingers are made of copper tubing, not, not steel like in other ones. <sighs> so Freddy's just a huge nerd, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's actually someone doing their Comic-Con cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> And we're like, this isn't even the well, movie. Well, that's how all—that's how all cosplay is done in a spooky basement with a boiler with with that has been over shoveled with coal, so that it's constantly on fire. <laughs> well, that's what I always assumed, anyway. Um, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. So we get we get Freddie building his glove, and then we we cut to uh, a young girl in a nightgown, setting the tone for the rest of the film, basically. Yeah, and she's running down some sort of uh, you know facility corridor. Yeah, yeah, steam. And then we get our first yeah we get our first jump scare, which is a sheep. <laughs> yeah, 
I would have scared the shit out of me. I mean, yeah, it's all wet, and then all of a sudden, and there's a sheep in the corridor, and we're like, oh no, scary dream sheep. (laughs) I was just counting those. Now, I have to ask this question, since this is her dream. Did Freddy put the sheep in there? And he'd be like, yeah, this will scare her really good. And then just put a sheep in there. Go, go, sheep. Go scare her. I know she's pretty weird about sheep. (laughs) She acts like that sheep's going to eat her. Like, Freddy just knows that she has this dark episode in her past revolving around sheep. (laughs) (laughs) She has, like, one of those stories like the girl from uh, Gremlins. You know, the girl from Gremlins has the awful Christmas yeah. story, and then in Gremlins 2, she has the awful, what is it, it's not, she also has a Lincoln's birthday story, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, she has an awful story about, about Easter and a sheep. Yeah. Well, you know, we all have awful mm-hmm. Easter stories, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so so she's like, what the fuck, a sheep? And uh, <laughs> and then and then Freddy lunges at her and oh, yeah and chases her chases around her around yeah stinky basement chases her around like a boogeyman hey and if you if you think wow that basement's real spooky wait until you've seen it for like the five hundredth yeah. time it's still just as spooky hey Freddy has spaces that he's comfortable working in then how like come all these people us? manage to lose him on a regular uh, basis it's, you know what in in the <laughs> What? You should, I'm asking the question. You should, you should ask Wes Craven, the writer of the brilliant screenplay. Oh, but he'll just throw a bunch of pops, uh, pop culture cycle babble at me, and then I'll be confused. But, you know, sometimes the places we feel the most lost are the places that we've that we've been to the most. You know? Uh huh. You're so great. <laughs> this is the greatest movie. Ever. Oh, you're brilliant. I'm a, a, a sullen teenager who's uncomfortable around other people, and I only feel things when I see girls die on screen. <laughs> then have I got a movie for you. Uh, <laughs> Please legitimize my taste in movies more, Wes Craven. <laughs> um, so anyway, it all it all ends up with uh, Freddy takes his, his glove that we've just seen him build in loving detail, yeah. and he slashes mm-hmm. at Tina, and she wakes up screaming. Yeah, and her mom bursts in immediately. Yeah, because her mom that? was waiting outside she, the door. Her mom's like out Outside the door with some dude. And she's like... Because remember, another guy comes up and he's like, Hey, baby, we gonna keep fucking... Come back to the sack. Yeah, come back to the sack, baby. And she's like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. It was all a dream. Or was it? Because her nightgown is all cut up on the front. Right where Freddy's left. Mom's like, cut your your nails or stop having bad dreams. Those are both reasonable things. Good night. (laughs) I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go resume having sex with your standard issue horror movie shitty stepfather. <laughs> That's right. I know you just woke up screaming, sweaty. You have cuts that no fingernails could possibly make on your clothes. But you know what? Cut your nails or stop having nightmares. Good night. And no more boys in your bedroom, which is why I was waiting outside your door. <laughs> So now we cut to <clears throat> uh, the 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 nursery rhyme. Yeah, yeah. Right? Again, I have a quick question. So we cut to this scene. There's a little girl holding a ball. Mm-hmm. There's two girls with the jump rope and a girl jumping rope. They're all dressed in their best Sunday clothes. Yep. Right? Absolutely. It's all kind of blurry and, you know, they're all, it's the echoey and they're like, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. We pan across to the street where we see our four titular heroes drive up in an old-fashioned car, get out and go directly into the high school, yep, right? That's it. Can I ask a question? Ask a question. Those four little girls dressed up in their Sunday uh-huh. best? What are they doing playing jump rope a- a- on a school day morning? I'll tell you what they're doing. They're skipping school. <laughs> to do that? They're truant little delinquents. One of them is, the one holding the ball looks like she's four years old, and the others look like they're in kindergarten, but this is how they're going to cut. Hey, let's cut school. Let's put on dresses from the 1800s, and let's skip rope in front of the high school. <laughs> They're, well, they're obviously taunting the older students who don't have that kind of freedom anymore. 
that's what Wes Craven would say that those children symbolize. The, the children, they symbolize the innocence of youth that is being taken from these adolescents. Whatever, you know, in, in our film, of course, represented by Freddy Krueger, but in real life by the, just the, the maturing process and growing into adulthood. If you keep on this, I'm going to punch you through the internet. <laughs> So, who do we meet as they climb out of their old beat-up Well, car? in addition to Tina, we meet uh, Nancy, her best friend, uh-huh. uh, played by Heather Langenkamp. We meet uh, Glenn, yeah. who is Nancy's boyfriend, mm-hmm. played by Johnny Depp. And then yeah. we also meet Tina's scumbag <laughs> boyfriend, Boyfriend, Rod. whose first line is, I had a boner when I woke up this morning. And, Great. And, and everybody <laughs> hates Rod because he's a huge jerk, but he's also their friend. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And also, um, all of them are horribly, horribly ADR'd by people who speak with absolutely zero inflection in their mm-hmm. voice. That's fun, isn't it? <laughs> But Tina's upset because she keeps having these bad dreams because a long-fingered spooky man is coming and trying to stab her in the hoo-ha with his knife fingers. And oh, my parents are going to be gone for a couple of days. I guess they're going on some sort of fuck-fest weekend because yeah. they could barely keep their hands off each other, even though they clearly heard their distraught <laughs> teenage daughter. <laughs> but they're going away, and I don't want to be home in that house. Will you guys come? And they're like, sure. Yeah, right? we'll come to your house with no parents. That sounds great. Yeah, cut to. The, Do the, you the, remember? <laughs> well, no. They, they're cut to uh, t- Tina's, Tina's house, house. and uh, yeah. Nancy and Glenn are there. Tina's talking. About, yeah, Tina's talking about her dreams, and they're like, "Fuck! No one wants to hear about your dreams, Tina." Yeah, dream stories are so fucking. Please boring. don't tell me about your dreams. And uh, and uh, the, the and it's revealed that Nancy has had the same dream, and Nancy just comes out and says, "Hey, I had the same dream, or or, or I dreamed about the same spooky." guy and yeah. Glenn and we kind of get the idea that Glenn has too yeah. but he's like no that's crazy you guys are yeah. stupid girls he's in denial she's about Louise. it yeah. you guys bleed every month that makes you all crazy that's impossible hey I hear a scratching sound outside I won't go outside maybe hey guys do you think maybe if I go outside there'll be like a jump scare out here hello jump scare <laughs> <laughs> and is there a jump scare out there uh kind of I mean a rod shows up I don't know if it's exactly like a jump that scare, is no but... that is a jump scare if it, if he pops out with a musical flash like like that for no reason and it turns out it's just Rob rod that's just, that's a what's what we call a cheap jump scare <laughs> where it doesn't add anything to the plot and actually kind of alleviates tension because you're kind of like oh well I was scared but now it turns out that was just a dude whatever <laughs> <laughs> turns out there's no reason for that to have happened um, mm-hmm. rod is there yeah, and he's got like a garden tool that he was using to make creepy like screeching sounds that was yeah that was supposed bad. to be you know like Freddy's glove but it was actually Rogers being a goofball yeah we find out some other things like uh, Rod is insensitive he's crude Oh, yeah, and he carries a switchblade knife that he whips out and threatens Glenn with because Glenn said something about something. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn right? didn't like Rod, you know, frightening everybody. And Rod yeah. was like, well, maybe I'll just cut you with my switchblade. Because <laughs> Rod is clearly <laughs> a stable young Im- man. Immediately after that, he grabs Tina, and they're gonna go fuck. Yep, right? yep. And, and Tina's okay with she's that. She's okay with it. And, and, you know, Nancy <laughs> and Glenn just kind of shake their head like all oh, those kids. Mm-hmm. And so we have a dissolve cut to the sounds of the very very obviously fake sounds 
of two people having sex in another yeah. room for what appears to be hours. Yeah, because Glenn <laughs> seems like he's had about enough of it when we fade in on him. Yeah, and he's awake and he's just like, uh, chastity sucks, because yeah. he tries to get the moves on 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 uh, Nancy, yeah. and Nancy's like, no, we're here for our friend, I think, for some reason, even though we're sleeping in different rooms and Rod's here, I mean, you would think she'd be okay with just Rod. It's not like we're all sleeping in the same room to make her feel better. Right. Why are we here again? <laughs> In case things with Rod go south, I think we all know. Why. Yeah. So she's all like, "No sex. No, we're here for we're here for better reasons." Well, because Nancy's that. smart. She knows that if you have sex in a horror movie, you're that's it. Uh, how come no one told Tina well, that? You know, because <laughs> that's a big mistake that Tina had right away. Now she's going. Die. Somebody had to establish it. You know. <laughs> but a couple of weird things happen. Um, uh, the crucifix hanging over Nancy's, uh, hanging on the wall over Nancy, falls mm, off. That's weird. Yeah, and then uh, a shape starts pushing through the wall. Yeah, and it it's like creepy and going over. And then she picks up the crucifix, and then the thing goes away. And she's like, "Oh, thank you, Jesus man, for scaring me for for saving me from Mister Spooky Fingers." I guess. Yeah, because and she because <laughs> Freddy's like a vampire or something. Get rid of that crucifix. <laughs> I don't need that shit. <laughs> and then we're in another dream, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, poor tragic. It's the only Tina. reason to ex- it's the only reason to explain why Tina would go outside with no shoes and no pants on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've had those dreams, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> when an obvious monster is like, Tina, come out. <laughs> Tina. I could kill you in your house in the dream, but fuck it. I'm going to do it outside. <laughs> yeah. Tina, come outside for no reason. <laughs> she goes outside. Sure, okay. Okay, dream monster. <laughs> and then Freddy shows up and he does a bunch. He does the Stretch Armstrong thing with his yeah. arms, which I'm sure was super creepy in 1984, but now it's just one of the most ridiculous things yeah. I've ever seen in my Look, life. It looks a little fake. A little. <laughs> And then, uh, for fun, he cuts off his yeah, fingers. Yeah, Freddy does this thing throughout the movie where he just does gross things for no reason. He's just sort of like, hey, check this out. And he just cuts off his fingers like, huh? Pretty gross, right? Huh? Neat. Are you still scared? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they, he jumps on her. They struggle. He, he She pulls his face off. Yeah. And then, uh, I guess Rod wakes up because his girlfriend's being murdered in yeah, her sleep. Yeah, she's, she's thrashing around under the covers like, you know, she's mm-hmm. like she's being attacked. And Rod just kind of stands. She, he by like a, oh shit yeah. he's like duh she's screaming then she raises up in the air and starts spinning around yeah. hits him she's still screaming she goes against a wall and then goes up the wall onto the ceiling yeah and, and she I, and her, was, her abdomen gets sliced yeah and I was kind of like hey how come Fred Astaire didn't do this and when he did it in uh, in uh, the because the, what it is, <laughs> is it's a rotating room yeah it makes it look like things it's the same thing Fred Astaire could have done it so much better with more oh, man how, <laughs> how much better would this movie be Fred Astaire had been in it. Here's a weird thing. Uh, this is going on for like two minutes, and uh, Glenn and Tina take that amount of time to get up the stairs. Glenn, who we already know is awake, yeah. is hearing this screaming going on. He's like, I don't want to know what kind of weird sex shit they're doing up there. <laughs> But then she gets popped like a balloon and <laughs> falls down on the bed and she's dead and Rod's in shock. And uh, how, does he get away? Does he, he run jumps away? out? He jumps out the window because when when right. Tina or when when Glenn and Nancy finally get in, break through the door, uh, he's gone. Right. Yeah. And now we meet Nancy's dad. Yeah. I'm telling you, small, small town <laughs> sheriff, John Saxon. It's the role yeah. he was born to play. And, and he's like, hey, I knew Rod was bad news. He's always in trouble with the law. And Nancy's like, he's not not a lunatic. Sure, he carries a switchblade and he actually threatened my boyfriend an hour before this happened. But I'm certain... Certain that the, no, 
yeah, you're wrong, Dad. Bye. He couldn't possibly have done anything to harm his girlfriend, who... And he's like, so you're just leaving a crime scene, huh? Oh, all right. Blah, blah, blah. No, that, that's right. They take her yeah, back she to was the at police the station. station. That's where he runs yeah. into her. Mm-hmm. And then we get some extraordinarily unconvincing crying by Nancy. <laughs> who are you to decide how people should cry after a tragedy? Um, how about with genuine uh, emotion and tears? You're, you're just as bad as these conspiracy theorists who see crisis actors everywhere. I've seen more convincing crying from Japanese robots on YouTube. Well, okay, you might have something there. She goes out, and she's walking to school. Her mom says, you going to school? You stay home. And she's like, no, Mom, I'm going to school. And says, okay, bye. <laughs> Whatever. She's walking to school, and then not lunatic Rod abducts Nancy into the bushes. <laughs> he tackles her, drags her out of the off the sidewalk. And he's like, I didn't do it. And then from out of fucking nowhere, dad, Nancy's dad, who apparently can teleport, <laughs> steps up with his gun drawn and says, hey, you hold it right there. And then there are cops everywhere and they get him. And Nancy's like, you use me as bait. And he's like, yeah, dummy. <laughs> because I knew that Rod would follow you to school. Yeah, not leave town. I knew he would abduct you at some point and I could yeah. catch you. It's not like we set up checkpoints everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Be on the lookout for psycho murder. No, 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 guys. We're going. We're doing this completely different. We're going to follow my daughter to school. Yeah. Is she going to school tomorrow? And they're, yeah, probably. They're, they're <laughs> and they're grabbing him, and she's like, "Well, you, I go to hell." And she walks off, and he's like, "You can't leave the scene before giving a statement." Well, okay, bye. I know, I know where she lives. I'll catch up with her. But now she's in English class, and that's oh, boring. Shakespeare is so sh boring. Yeah. And you knew for a fact that frickin' Wes Craven went through his entire Shakespeare thesaurus looking for anything to do about yeah. dreams. And he was like, no, we can't do it. Oh, Hamlet, really? Oh, god damn it. Oh, I guess. Fuck it. And then she falls asleep in class, and she sees Tina, yep. and she's looked better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole body bag look isn't really her style. I mean, maybe if she dressed it up a little bit with a kicky handbag, you know, a belt or something, yeah. you, you know, I mean, you can make it work, but instead she's just all bloody and inside of it. And then uh, there's a blood trail in the, the Yeah, and, and Nancy is being dragged down the hallway by, like, an invisible person. And Nancy's like, hey. Hey, Steve, if you saw that, would you go chasing after I mean, it? I wouldn't. Right, but so Nancy, but Nancy does. She's like, "Hey, I'll follow this blood trail." Instead of going back into the room and being like, "Excuse me, teacher, my dead friend <laughs> is being dragged down the hall in a body bag by an invisible person," <laughs> could you call the office? Uh huh. And oh, but you see, this is a psychologist. Psychologically, this makes sense because it's all in a dream world, and the, and their decisions don't have to make exactly. sense because they're compelled by the dream. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's the brilliance of this screenplay. <sighs> Yeah, bullshit, bullshit, psychoanalyst, bullshit, bullshit. So, so she follows uh, Tina she down runs to the into basement. A hall monitor. She runs into a hall oh, monitor. Oh, that's right. First. Yeah, wearing a green and yellow and a green and red striped sweater. Hey, that's just like the killer has. <gasps> Coincidence. Yeah, because Wes Craven heard that green and red are the two most conflicting colors that make people uh, that confuse the eye the most. He read that somewhere in a book. Apparently, the person that wrote that book have never experienced Christmas. <laughs> That's why we're all so uncomfortable and unsettled at Christmas. <laughs> Adjective. Uh, we always think we're going to get killed at Christmas. Time. I thought that was because of my family. It turns now, out. I would argue that that yellow and pink are the most abhorrent to the eye if you put it in a striped sweater. But then you would have a killer with a yellow and pink I mean, sweater. I, I would be on board with that <laughs> anyway 
Okay. So she follows she follows him down into the basement. Yeah. Um past she, she follows the blood trail, past the sign that says no students allowed. <sighs> Nancy, Nancy, Nancy. Back into the, yeah, back into the basement that we've already seen, and then Freddy shows up, yeah. right? And he's like, Hi, I'm gonna murder you with my fingers. And she's like, No. And they run around and then she burns her arm on a steel yeah, pipe. Yeah, and she wakes up in the And she wakes up and it was all <gasps> a dream. Or was it? Dun dun dun. <laughs> Again, if you're tired of that, it happens a few more times, guys. <laughs> and she notices that her arm is actually burned in real life. It's burned it. Yeah. And she's like, this is weird. Right? And then she just she she goes home and she tells her teacher, hey, don't worry, I'm going straight home. And her teacher just lets her go. But she doesn't. She doesn't go no. home. Instead, she goes to the jail where you can visit suspected murderers in their jail cell. It's a small <laughs> town. Everybody knows each other. She's like, hey, yeah. can I go see the murderer? Um, okay, thanks. Can I ask a question? Why isn't Rod locked up in the county lockup? Hey, here's another question. Why is Rod not wearing a prison jumpsuit, but is still wearing the clothes that he was arrested in? <laughs> it's like they just threw him in the drunk tank. <laughs> you get in there. And- He's next to Otis. Oh, well, you killed some kids too, huh? Don't tell Andy, but I've been doing it for years. <laughs> you just sit in here and cool off and think about what you did, young man. <laughs> And then he goes in there and he's like, yeah, it was weird. It was like there was a guy there, but there was because he's invisible. And I swear I didn't kill her. And um, that's it. Bye. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and Rob, Rob describes Freddy's glove. And and, oh, Tina, yeah, that's or, right. and, and Nancy's like, aha. We need to piece this together like a fucking mystery. Yeah. Even though we as the audience have already seen everything and we're way ahead of the yeah. characters at this point. No, no, no. It's good screenwriting. It's good screenwriting. Though. Oh, is it? Wouldn't it have been better if the, we were experiencing all of this from Nancy's point of view where a whole bunch of freaky shit was happening and then she has a nightmare about God, Freddy? You're, you're, and we kind of piece it together? You're so conventional. You just okay. want to take this what visionary f- film and make it into this <laughs> conventional thing. Whatever. Let's go to bath time where we see no nudity. Okay. <laughs> So she immediately goes home and she's like, well, my best friend's dead and my other friend's in jail. And I think I'll take a bath. <laughs> I can't good. sleep because of terrifying nightmares. So I'll take a nice warm bath. Yeah. So she starts singing the nursery yeah. rhyme, yeah. right? And they make mention of it at the beginning when they when the nursery rhyme, they talk about, oh, he sounds like that guy from the nursery rhyme. Yeah. Right? Okay. In the time frame of this movie, when did that nursery rhyme get invented and become so <laughs> so used that everyone in town yeah, it knows it? It must have been just a few years ago, and then it went viral. The movie is is that they killed Freddy Krueger when these kids were kids, yeah. like little kids, like four years old or something yeah. like that. And it's only been 10 years later. Something right? like that, yeah. Okay. The other thing is um, the nursery rhyme is awfully specific to how Freddy behaves. It is. You know, one, two, he's coming for you. Three, four, lock the door. That won't do shit. <laughs> Five, six, grab a crucifix. That doesn't make any sense. Last one is uh, seven. Uh, last two is seven, eight, stay up late. Nine, ten, yeah. never sleep again. Those two last things are fairly specific. And very important. <laughs> so who fucking wrote it? When did they start doing it? Did Freddy do it? He's like, I'm gonna first... He's playing the long game. First I'm gonna sneak this in, into their dreams. He's like the Riddler. He can't help himself. Also, if uh, you know what we can talk about... No, fuck it. I'm talking about this now. If he's out to kill children, why is he killing ch- teenagers? Why did he wait until they were teenagers? Why didn't he do it when they were kids when they would be easier to kill? That's an excellent question. He was a child murderer yeah, after all, he? wasn't, wasn't he? a teenage murderer. <laughs> 
He was a child murderer. Anyway, she's singing the fucking song, and then the glove comes, the, the knife glove comes up and is about to grab her by the coochie, and then her mom knocks on the door, and she's like, Hannah's mom again. She don't fall asleep in the tub to drown. And she's like, oh, by the way, her mom's a drunk. <laughs> Anyways, um, bye. Love you, baby. I'm going to lay down in the hallway and fall asleep now. Night nights. Bye-bye. <laughs> And then Nancy immediately falls asleep, and then she gets pulled into the tub, yeah. and we see a body doubles kind of boob for a second and a half, and then she crawls, and here's the weird part. Okay, so she's in the tub, being yeah. grounded, screaming for her mom, and her mom can hear yeah. her, and is like, are you okay? What's going on? And unlock the door. Nancy? And she's like being dragged up. Some supernatural shit is happening in real life. Not in dream time, but in real life. Yeah. And then um, she gets away, and she gets up out of the tub and mom breaks in and she says what's going on and she's like nothing i'm fine <laughs> so glad that's that, that would have been the Boy, time was... to mention to mom that she was almost drowned by a dream monster mm-hmm. and then we cut to glenn who's uh watching tv and he's watching a good movie yeah. which is evil, evil dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, um, they put Evil Dead in the film. That's the film that he's watching on TV. Um, Raimi returned the favor by having Freddy's glove in Evil yeah. Dead 2 in the, in the shack. I thought that was cute. Um, and Glenn seems pretty okay, considering that uh, one of his friends has just been killed and the other one's in prison. Yeah. Like, really, really okay. And she's Nancy calls him, and she goes, okay, I've got a plan. Right? Yeah. I'm... She's like, I got a plan. Because he comes over to her Yeah, house, he climbs, right? he climbs he up over... the, the rose yeah. trellis outside her window. Mm-hmm. It's like, I got a plan, and here it all is. And, oh, shit. Hey, wait a minute. Why are we... <laughs> so we fade out before we hear what the fucking plan is. But then we see her, and she's in her nightgown, and she's walking out of her house. Yeah. Right? I bet she's dreaming. No, you don't think. I bet she is. I bet she's dreaming again. Oh, yeah, I know she's dreaming, because, look, there's Tina on the street. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then there's a whole big gross thing at Eels, for no reason. <laughs> And she needs to wake up, but guess what? Glenn, I guess, was... Okay, explain this to me. She's walking down the street, and she's like, Hey, Glenn, are you there? And Glenn pops out, and he goes, Yeah, I'm here. And she's like, Okay, good. Which is part of the dream, but... The plan was that Glenn was going to stay next to her and wake her up in case anything bad happened. Right. right? So why is she comforted to see Glenn in the dream? And how is Glenn talking yeah, to her? Doesn't it make doesn't, sense. Though. Anyway, yeah. But yeah. So she needs to wake up and she see she goes to the jail and she can see Rod. And then oh no, Frey came in and he's walked through the bars like a magic yeah. man, like the like the T one thousand. And she's like, oh, no, we got to Glenn wake. Glenn fell asleep. Uh, he was not supposed to fall fucking asleep. Glenn. You have one job. God damn it. And so then um, she, they wake. she wakes up on her own. And she's like, fuck you, Glenn. Jesus Christ. And then she remembers. Oh, yeah. Rod. <laughs> and she screams the name. Rod. And she runs down to the police station. And she's like, hi, uh, I need to see Rod. And they're like, it's like a million o'clock at night, little girl. <laughs> no. And she's like, I got to, but because something bad's happening in Rod's cell. Yeah. Right? And they're like, okay, let me find the keys. And of course, the, the desk sergeant cannot find the keys to the jail. Mm-hmm. That's because Freddie hit oh, him probably, somehow. Probably, yeah. And, in the not dream real yeah. world, where he's not supposed to be able to interact. Just like he's not supposed to be able to interact with the bed sheets <laughs> that have wrapped around his neck. Yep. Because <laughs> unless the bed sheets are having a Freddie dream. I love it when they establish rules and then immediately yeah, break them. Yeah, because what happens is the bed sheets, presumably manipulated by Freddie, 
start wrapping themselves around Rod's neck all by themselves while yeah. he's asleep, and he ends up right before the, the Nancy and Glenn and the cops can can get into the jail. Uh, Rod is is fatally hanged in his cell. Yeah, his neck breaks, and it's like, oh no, my my favorite character. Well, bye, Rod. <laughs> now who will I root for? And then we have a funeral. Yeah. For Tina? No. <laughs> Forget her. Fuck her. This is a funeral for, for Rod. For beloved Rod. For whatever reason. Beloved murder suspect Rod. <laughs> Tina didn't get anything. I don't even know if her parents are back from their no, trip. Her, her friends didn't even seem that bummed that she was dead. <laughs> But then her her dad's like she's fucking freaking out. She take her home so she doesn't have to see this stuff. And, and Marge is like, I got a better idea. We have a local institution that that does dream things. Isn't that convenient? I'm gonna drunk drive her to the sleep clinic. <laughs> Come on, honey, boo boo, and they go, <laughs> and they she takes her to the Katcha Institute. I wish I could have said that sign looked a little bit better, like it was an actual institute and not hastily painted and nailed up in front of a building. But <laughs> oh, shit, we forgot to make a sign. That's what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was before the days of CGI where you could fo- fix it in fucking post. And she gets attended by Dr. Roger yep. Rabbit. Who knows all about <laughs> dreams and can answer the most basic questions, like, what are they? Oh, so you're having bad dreams. <laughs> The guy, Max Fleischer, went on to play the voice of Robert Roger Rabbit, and then he was disappeared forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's playing Dr. Doctor Guy, and he's like, we don't know what dreams are, and we're going to make you go to sleep so we can monitor you with all the scientific equipment. Oh, yeah, and by the way, the scariest thing in the entire movie is in this scene. Do you know what that what is, is Steve? In the little observation room while they're looking at all the switches and things and the mom's in there smoking in a hospital, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming. And, and Roger, Dr. Roger Rabbit is like, oh, well, there's, you know, dreams and stuff. Behind them, on the wall is a poster. On that poster is a cable car. Riding on that cable car is a kitten in a Hawaiian print shirt. That is the scariest thing in this movie. <laughs> and it- Because it's, it says to me, oh, this doctor's a crackpot and a little scary. And it turns out that kitten is the mastermind behind everything. That's, that's <laughs> who Freddy has been working for. If I walked into a doctor's office and on the wall I saw that poster, I would immediately walk out because those are choices. Yes. That doctor made choices. Not only did he purchase it, but then he said, you know what? I want everyone that I know professionally to know that I like this and put it up in his room. Do you do you know uh, this is this is completely true, I swear to you. In the lobby, mm-hmm. in the waiting room of my dentist's office, there is a wall-sized print of the painting Guernica. <laughs> That is absolutely real. I have no idea why my dentist chose to put that in her waiting room. But there it is. And I'll paint it on the ceiling. Dolly prints. So that as you're drifting off to the... When he puts the funny nose on you and he starts shooting you up with Novocaine. Yeah. Guaranteed to have an awful nightmare. What? I just like art. What's wrong with that? Yeah, you know, I love that. Do you, do you recognize the artist that did the dentist chair? Geiger. Geiger did it. And designed all my tools, too. <laughs> No wonder I was terrified the moment I walked in here. <laughs> you see, I want to make sure that every child that leaves here is broken. Just broken beyond belief. <laughs> I'm tired of this touchy-feely, let's have fun at the dentist crap. What happened to the old days? No, I'm a creator of nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> I embrace my role. I relish it, actually. Anyway, anyway. back to Freddy. <laughs> 
So she goes to sleep. She starts having a nightmare. She's all flipping and flopping around. He's like, huh, this this machine only goes to 10, but she's at like 23. <laughs> and then mom's like, we should wake her up. And they go in, they wake her up. And oh, no, look at her hair. has got like oh, white no. in it or gray. She's she's turning thing. into rogue. <laughs> But also, her arm's got a cut. <gasps> also, the hat. She's got a hat. Yeah. So they go home. Um, mom and daughter fight some more. Just like, she hears her mom on the phone with her dad going, I, she got a hat. I don't know where I came from. Thank God I have the same bottle of booze in every shot when they show me drinking booze. It's the same bottle of yeah. booze. Continuity. Continuity. <laughs> And Nancy comes in and she's all pissed off because her her mom is trying to hide the hat from her. She's like, mm-hmm. "You didn't. There was no and, hat. Shut up, you crazy little kid." Yeah, she, be quiet. Don't go in the basement either, because oh boy, there's something down there. <laughs> oh man, there's something in the basement that I'm keeping for no reason. To be kiddo. continued. <laughs> Anyway, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, guess what, Mom? I know who this guy's name is. It's because it said it inside of his hat. It said Freddy Krueger. And I just went, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Freddy Krueger writes his name inside of his clothes? <laughs> his tailor does it because Freddy is a classy guy. No, and he, goes to a professional he wrote tailor. it in with Sharpie. He's like, okay, underwear done. <laughs> Sweater done. Just like mommy told me, pants done, under, got it, glove, if, Kruger, hat, if, It it actually says, if found, please return to F. Kruger. No, it's when they have monster parties, and Jason is leaving with his hat on, and he's like, where are you going with that? That's my hat, it has my name It's mine. And he's like, "Mm, mm, mm." look, you mute motherfucker, it has my name right here, see? F. Kruger. He walks out with the machete. Jason says, this isn't over. I don't, no. He walks out with Jason's machete, and he's like, I don't see anybody's this name This is on mine. It. This is mine now. Slides it right I need four more of these to make a machete glove. <laughs> Bye. Just, I hope Jason has a new one at every party so I can just keep ripping them off until I get another. <laughs> the problem is Jason doesn't know how to write. <laughs> he, he, like, puts an X on it. Like, nope, it's not a name. Is your name Sorry. X? Sorry. <laughs> Should have gone to school, you Good. retard. Later. Yes, your mother never taught you to write. Ah, gotcha. Thanks for all the th- free stuff, jerk face. In half of the Jason movies, it's just Freddy dressed like Jason. Stealing his stuff. And he's killing the teenagers and running away. Jason shows up. He's like out of breath. <gasps> oh, I wanted to kill those kids. God damn it. <laughs> oh, so now we got to cut to another Johnny Depp Yeah, they're, they're on a bridge in a park. Mm, he's eating. And just a little yeah. bit further down the bridge, Peter Parker is getting broken up with by Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> and... <laughs> He's really crying. He's really taking it hard. But uh, so yeah, so Johnny Depp is talking about this uh, this culture that he learned about where they have the Balinese yeah, culture, where, where they 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 learn how to control their own dreams. He's pulling it from memory. Yeah, oh, by he's the a way. very deep. He's not reading it out of a he's book. A very deep young man. Bullshit. This is Wes Craven doing his research, going to the library, finding this bullshit out and putting it in his movie and having Johnny he's just Depp just cramming it into a random character's mouth. <laughs> Oh, hey, did you know about it? The Balinese way of dreaming? Why Why would I why, know that? Why would Glenn? you know that? You're 15. <laughs> yeah, Glenn, it, you, you like watching TV and listening to movies, and you want to grab my boobs. That's well, all you want. All of that is and true. I'm supposed yeah. to believe. <laughs> 
Yeah, but he's kind of like, hey, um, okay, listen, this might come, this might be, you know, you might want to commit this to memory. It might be important later, or you can go through a whole fucking bullshit with booby traps because you have <laughs> yeah. a book hey, I, on booby can't traps. Can't help but here. notice you just happen to be holding a book about building booby traps. It's hmm, weird. Yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, the Polynesians believe that everything you dream is great, except for the bad things, and then you just take away all of your the energy you give into it, and, and it disappears. Isn't that neat? I'm sure that won't come up any anytime soon. Do do do. Don't remember that for later in the film. Not important. Nancy comes home, and Mom's like, "Okay, guess what? I got a whole bunch of stuff I gotta tell you." Okay? <laughs> Time for an info dump, sweetie. Okay, honey, come downstairs with me. I gotta show you something, and don't judge me. <laughs> She reaches into the furnace, and she pulls out a rag. And what's in the rag, It's Steve? Freddy's glove. Oh, no. Mom, you're Freddy? And she says, <laughs> she says sorry, honey, I'm Freddy. And <laughs> I should have told you, baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been going in your dreams and tormenting you and killing your I'm friends. I'm sorry, baby. You're not mad at mommy, are you? That's why I drink. I only do it when I'm sober. That's why I keep drinking. <laughs> so it won't happen again. Oh, that would have been an interesting twist. Oh. Anyway, oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, she tells him, okay, listen, there's this guy, and his name was Freddy Krueger, and he killed children, <laughs> and all of us parents got together, and we would not like that, and the police caught him, and he went on trial, and then he got off from the murders and so we trapped him in a building and we set the building on fire and he died it's the end he's all dead and Nancy should have said mom how come I don't remember that <laughs> how come I don't remember losing 20 classmates well see because you weren't close to- you just said that they were all great kids that you knew oh did I oh shit um yeah uh also, if this was a trial, it had to have been in the news. You would think the news would cover the trial of a murder of 20 children. You would think people would know who Freddy no. Krueger was, right? No, see, honey... Look, shut up. Um, <laughs> stop it. You're thinking about this you, too hard. <laughs> like, you need to think about the themes that these things symbolize, okay? <laughs> you take it away too literally. This is all about adolescence and puberty and lots exactly. of metaphors and this shit. Is, you, this and is stuff. art, okay? This yeah, is art. Honey, just listen to what I'm telling you, okay? He he killed 20 children and he went on trial and no news agency picked it up ever and not everyone, <laughs> ever, no one talked about it to the point which some kid made a nursery rhyme about him. And no one remembers that, okay? There's no memorial to all 20 children anywhere in town at all, ever, okay? You guys don't even know that they died, all right? Jesus Christ. I just wanted to tell you that he was dead and you're giving me the third degree. (laughs) (laughs) So later, we find out uh, Glenn is on the phone and he's like, hey, when was the last time you went to sleep? And what does Nancy say? It's been like a week. It's been seven days of no sleep. It's been seven days. But don't worry, the record is 11 days. Yeah, after seven days of no sleep, she would be completely fucked up. She would be hallucinating badly, not making any sense at all. At all. If anyone has ever heard, back in the days of radio, every once in a while, a radio DJ would do something incredibly stupid. Yeah. Like, stay awake for a week for some fucking reason. <laughs> and by by the, by day four, they're like, my name's Banjo-Kazooie Sauce. Fuck me in the asshole. Hi! <laughs> Why did I do this? My <laughs> life is over. Station has the dump button. Like the guy's just like, burr, 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 burr. 
The spiders in my kidneys want you to buy the new car at Daryl Ford. Daryl Ford, where you can buy a new car from tarantula kidneys. People are listening at home going, wow, the grease man's never been this funny. He's really on his A game. We're on day 17 of Bongo and the Booger. Booger, how long have you been awake? <laughs> he's more animal than man at this point. <laughs> Up next, here's the latest from Journey. <laughs> so she should be more fucked up, but she seems okay, right? Yeah. She doesn't even seem tired. She's not even really all that grumpy. <laughs> she's just sort of like, yeah, I've been awake for a week. Eh, no yeah, big. Whatever, yeah. Hey, I got another plan, okay? Listen, Glenn, listen, listen. I know you totally failed the last time, but I'm fairly <laughs> certain you'll be okay this time. Ready? The plan is, I'm going to go to sleep, I'm going to grab him, and when he comes out, you hit him with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn's like, gotcha. <laughs> right, and then just goes immediately to sleep. He's like, ah! <sighs> Meanwhile, Nancy is in bed. Her mom's, like, kneeling over her, going, No, see, baby, it's okay. I put bars on all the windows to keep you safe. <laughs> Not as a plot contrivance, because it makes it hard for you to get out of the house later. It's totally somehow to keep, um, in case the house burns down we die. That's what I want. <laughs> it's a comment on how parents are overprotective of their children. Oh, yeah, especially and how that two of her friends are dead. <laughs> One of them's talking about a serial killer that you murdered. <laughs> He's just like, don't worry, sweetie, it's okay. And her mom gets up, and Nancy was only pretending to be going to sleep, and she gets up, and she reaches down and pulls uh, out a coffee maker yes. that's on. That and I'm kind of like, okay, wait a minute. That was directly underneath where her mom was. The The best part of that scene is that <laughs> is that Nancy's mom takes a coffee maker away that was sitting out in the open, and after she leaves, Nancy reveals that she has secret coffee. Yeah, she has. She got the spare coffee maker, because they have nine in the house. You need and to have an extra like, one. I, I got secret coffee, and it's on, and I'm going to pour myself a cup, and I'm going to drink it like it's soda, because it's not actually hot. Because, <laughs> because this is a fake movie. Yeah, because it's a fake-ass movie. And, um... Then uh, she gets a phone call and she picks it up. And what does she hear, Steve? Yeah, what does she hear? Screechy First, she, scratch. She hears the, the, the Freddy glove scratch. sounds, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, ooh, and she pulls out the phone from the wall and she throws it on the bed. And she's like, oh, goobly, goobly. And she goes to the door. And then what happens, Steve? Uh, the the phone, phone rings. Rings again. The phone rings. And just to, to, to underline how weird it is, Nancy holds up the the loose end of the phone cord just so we're absolutely sure that the phone has been unplugged. She's like, huh? Look at, she's like looking at the audience. This is weird, right? I'm not just audience. You see this too? Hey, here's something stupid. When you see a phone ringing that has no power running to it or is even connected to a wall and you're being chased around by a supernatural madman, sure, why not answer it? It might be someone nice. You don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's Glenn. Hey, Yeah. Glenn's using his spirit phone. It's not, though. It's Freddy, and Freddy says to Nancy that he's her boyfriend now. Oh, yeah, and then the receiver turns into a mouth that licks her face, and she screams, and she drops it. Freddy is kind of weird, I mean. Yeah, and she's like, oh, Glenn! And she runs downstairs, she tries to open the door, but the door's locked, and her mom's like, guess what I did? (laughs) I locked us in the house. I don't know where the keys are because I'm drunk, and I'm on the couch. Good night. (laughs) Ha ha. Okay, now, um, Steve, I have to bring this up. Okay. What follows is the most improbable half hour ever recorded in a film. You think? 
Yeah, and <laughs> I'm going to break it down because this half hour makes absolutely no sense at all in the real world. You ready? Uh, let's go for it. Okay, so first off, we cut to Glenn's house. And on the radio, we hear, hello, everybody. You're listening to KGBR. Oh, no, it's the TV. Hello, this is KGBR. It's midnight, and now we end our day's broadcasting. Because back in the day, they didn't do everything all night. They went off the air yeah. sometime. And it's like, it's midnight, and we're going off the air. And also, Glenn, you're about to become a blood fountain. <laughs> Good night. <clears throat> so it's midnight. Uh, a hand comes up out of Glenn's bed, grabs him, pulls him into something that does not look like a pre-cut hole in the bed. <laughs> oh, certainly not. Drags in the TV and the radio and a whole bunch of other stuff. Everything on the bed, pretty much. Yeah. And then his mom walks in. Oh, and then blood spurts out. Yeah. Like 400 Glenn's worth of blood <laughs> comes out of the bed and is hitting the ceiling. And his mom comes in and she's like, oh, Glenn. Oh, my. I told you that would happen if you touched yourself. <laughs> <laughs> But that's it. Bye, Glenn. Yeah. Bye, bye, bye. Ten minutes later. We cut to ten minutes later. I know it's ten minutes later because they make a note of the time in the dialogue. And there are now cops, ambulances, yeah. Yeah. and the coroner. Oh, now, yeah. the coroner never rushes to the scene of a murder. The coroner, in fact, is usually the last person to be called. Yeah, no hurry, you know. It's not like the alarm goes off and the coroner goes, Oh, God, better get in the coroner mobile and go. <laughs> I've got that, a call. <laughs> that dead body isn't getting any dinner yeah the, the coroners aren't sitting around playing cards waiting for the coroner alarm <laughs> it's like the coroner signal come on corpse boy <laughs> <laughs> holy midnight rumbles corner man <laughs> to the corpse poles <laughs> you don't think we're kind of macabre do you <laughs> But yeah, all of their cops, ambulances, the coroner, yeah. cop dads there. Yeah. And um he gets Nancy calls Glenn's house and uh she's like, "Hey dad, um my plan A didn't go good cuz Glenn's dead, huh?" And he's like, "Yep." Oh, he's yeah. like, "Okay, great. Dad, listen, I need someone else to hit um Freddy Krueger with a baseball bat when I bring him out of my dream world, okay?" So, um <clears throat> in uh 20 minutes, it'll be exactly 12:30, which is how we know only 10 yeah. minutes have gone by. She says, in 20 minutes, I'm going to grab him. You come out of the house and you arrest him. That's what she said. Did you hear that, everybody? She's going to get her dad to arrest the dead guy that she's going to bring out of her dreams into the real world. Yes, the supernatural dream monster is going to jail. She grabbed his hat and brought it into the real world, so that means she can grab anything and bring it into the real world, too. And so that's her plan. You know, grab him, have dad show up arrest him and charge him somehow. <laughs> yeah, because they couldn't make actual child murders stick, so I'm sure that dream murders will put him away for life. <laughs> what dream were you, in, were you in at the time that <laughs> that Tina was being murdered? <laughs> oh, I was... Me and the Tooth Fairy were having coffee. <laughs> I was having a dream where I'm pitching in Game 7 of the World Series, but yeah, I'm naked. She can attest for my whereabouts. That's... <laughs> I was dreaming that I was in high school and I was late for a test I hadn't studied for. <laughs> I had that dream where all my teeth fell out. You know that dream? Judge is like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Case dismissed. Clonk. I hate that dream. <laughs> okay, so this little conversation that they have is like five minutes long. So I'm going to assume now that it's 12.15. Yeah. 
Okay, we now cut to her MacGyvering up the house. Oh, big time. And here's what she manages to do in five minutes. She sets two booby traps. One in which she in which she drills a hole into a light bulb, <laughs> files it out, pours shotgun um, gunpowder into it, yep. attaches it to a trip switch, so that if someone runs in and trips the switch, the light bulb explodes. Then she rigs up a multi-stage tripwire so that a sledgehammer will come down and hit someone directly in the chest. And then she picks up her passed-out boozy mom, drags her upstairs, <laughs> puts her in bed, and they have a nice little heart-to-heart talk. You know, and she's like, I love you, mom. And she's like, I, I love booze. She's <laughs> like... Mom, please, please just instantly stop drinking for no reason. Okay, I put the bottle over here on the nightstand. See? Ta-dum! All done with drinking. It's a movie miracle. Hooray for me! Good night. I love you. I love you, too. She did all that in five minutes. Yep. Well, she's... How do I know it's... How do I know it's five minutes? Because when she gets in bed, she sets the uh, her her watch, her little cheap-ass Casio watch. It says 12.20. She presses a button on it, and that cheap little Casio watch from 1984 has a voice. Yep. The voice the, the watch has a voice in it, Steve. Well, you know, I think maybe this might be just a Was sleep Was that watch from the fucking future? <laughs> How in the hell did she get a voice inside of her watch? She's hallucinating because of sleep deprivation. <laughs> Then the watch should have told her, you know, this plan isn't going to work. <laughs> this is nuts, Nancy. Why don't you just let him kill you? <laughs> you know which direction this is going. Come on. <laughs> You're the final girl, Nancy. <laughs> so, um, I wish I could tell you that we go to somewhere real dreamlike, but instead we're fucking back in that goddamn basement again. Ah, uh, yeah. Freddy loves his basement. And more chasing around in the basement, and then she falls, and then she falls onto the roses in front of her house. And then Freddy's there, and she's like, come on! And he's like, okay. And he jumps on her, rather than stabbing her. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the watch says, get up! Get up! It's time to get up! <laughs> and she wakes up, and everything's quiet, and she's like, oh, thank God, I'm just crazy. <laughs> But she wasn't crazy, was she? Steve? No, Freddy is behind the bed. Yeah, she did it. Oh shit! Oh, now Freddy's actually here. Yeah, and, and she I hits can't him wake in, up. Yeah, <laughs> she hits him in the head with a with a uh, like coffee, the coffee pot. pot. Yeah. At no point does Freddy go, "Oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> this is not where I'm used to be." Yeah, I'm out of my element here. <laughs> nope. Ugh. He's just like, "I'm going to kill you," and then she shuts the door. Which apparently has an impenetrable lock on it. Yep. <laughs> because while he's stuck in her room, yeah, and she sets up the sledgehammer thing, she runs downstairs, she opens the window, and she's like, I got him, I got him, help, help, I got him, help! Meanwhile, across the street, there are at least five to six witnesses standing outside of Glenn's house. And maybe the dumbest cop in the entire goddamn world who walks up and goes, "Yeah, go to go to bed or something. Yeah, whatever. Everything's it's okay. fine." She goes, ah. "She takes an umbrella, smashes out the window on the door, and the cops just like, oh, that's weird. She just broke out a window in the door. That's weird." Freddy's out. He gets hit by the sledgehammer. Comes downstairs, trips the the light bulb, and that explodes. Right? Yeah, just a nice little pop. It doesn't blow a hole in the wall no, like that it much blows up. would. It's a great big explosion that makes a big explosion sound. Meanwhile, cop outside is like, oh, that's weird. There's an explosion inside the house. Window break? Explosion? Should I tell anybody? No. Let's see what <laughs> happens next. Nancy, just go back to bed. She breaks out another window in which she's screaming help, help, someone help me, help, help. Now, even if he is the stupidest person in the world, he's a 
fucking police officer. And someone across the street, after breaking two windows and an explosion sound, is now screaming, help, help. It's not until after that that he goes, oh, I better go get the lieutenant. <laughs> yeah. To, I just, I better go check with her, with my superior <laughs> to make sure that this is a situation where we should intervene. <laughs> and I imagine that he just kind of lazily walked up yeah. to the front of the house and he goes, oh, hey, Glenn, how are you doing? Oh, no, not much. What's going on across the street? Oh, I don't know. Something. Hey, did you watch the game last night? Yeah, I did. You're, you're still not mad at me that I slept with your daughter, did you? No, no, no. not at all. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> well, let me go up here and see if I can find the lieutenant. There's something yeah. going on across the <laughs> street this, here. You know, the lieutenant's daughter is screaming and there's, like, explosions or something. I, I better go. He's going to be pissed if I don't tell him. Yeah. Well, he's he specifically told me to watch the house, so I better go. <laughs> <sighs> so, she runs down into her basement. Freddy chases her, right? Yep. And then what happens, Steve? She uh, sets old Freddy on fire. Yeah, it throws gasoline on him. He knows exactly what's going to happen he's next. Because like, as oh, soon as shit. the gasoline hits him, he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> she sets him on fire. Now John Saxon comes out, and he sees that the windows are broken, and there's smoke pouring out of the door. <laughs> And he's like, come on, men. Come on, hurry up. Gets to the door, knocks it in. And she's like, I got him, I got him. Come on. You go down into the basement. Wow, what's wrong? What happened? Oh, Is he there? There's nothing there. Oh, no. And what happened, they, Steve? They come I back. thought you got him. <laughs> they come back out of the basement, and there's fiery footsteps leading from the oh, basement door shit, into no. the living room, and then up the stairs. <laughs> and John Saxon is, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> So they run upstairs. They they uh-huh. follow the fiery footprints to Nancy's mother's room. They open the door, uh-huh. and there's Freddie still on fire on top of Nancy's mother, just like strangling her. Yeah, just like strangling her. And John Saxon puts a blanket over him. Yeah, and he takes the blanket away. And there's a burnt up corpse there, and it waves goodbye. Yeah. I'm not making that shit up. Literally, <laughs> yes. it waves goodbye as it sinks into the bed and disappears. Yep. And John Saxon's like, I told you there was a reason why I divorced her. (laughs) (laughs) This is the kind of stuff I wanted to get you away from, Nancy. (laughs) She's pulling this shit all the time, becoming a burned up corpse and disappearing into furniture. You you know what? I hate to say this about your mother. I know she's your mother, but this does not surprise me at all. (laughs) It's why I wanted custody. It's why things are so bitter between the two of us. (laughs) But Nancy's like, I'm okay. I just saw my mom get burned up. You can go downstairs, daddy. I'm burned fine. up and swallowed into a yeah. bed. I just watched her corpse wave goodbye and then disappear into blue mist on the on the bed, but it's okay. I'm cool. Yeah. So he goes downstairs. She turns her back on the bed, and what happens? <gasps> Freddy rises up from the covers. Oh. And he wow. takes his little claw fingers and cuts his way out and pulls it, and he's like, I'm here to kill you now for real, Nancy. Yeah, yeah and it's only until now, until this very minute, that Nancy realizes that if she takes away all of the power she gave him, that she can defeat him, right? Yeah. She's like, I'm taking away all the power I gave you. Really too bad I came up with this now. <laughs> all my friends are dead. My mom's dead. Wow. My mom, all my friends? I wonder why we couldn't do this in the first place. And it's like, I don't know. I was wondering when you were going to come up with it. <laughs> well, I know. I'm coming up with it now, okay? Oh, I'm shit. a teenager. Jeez Louise. Hey, do you know, can I ask you a question, Freddy? Yeah, what? Um, if you need our power to bring you to life, uh-huh. which one of these teenage kids was giving you power to begin with? Oh, How uh... did you come to be if none of us knew you? or could remember you. Who who was giving you power? Uh, you know Brian, that quiet kid in study hall? <laughs> You're not really close to him, but it's him. It's been him the whole time. Uh, I think I gave him a swirly once. I'm pretty sure Rob, Rod stabbed him in the butt. Yeah, that, that, class. that didn't help. <laughs> 
That didn't do oh, you okay. any favors, Nancy. Well, thanks for steering us around that plot hole, Freddy. That's yeah, great. No, uh, no problem. No problem. Can you imagine no, no. how weird the movie would be if I if we didn't explain that? <laughs> Just be this huge, unex- inexplicable thing. Yeah, where I just appear out of nowhere, and you know, for no reason. And <laughs> it's almost like, and then <laughs> it's almost like my there's no rules, so my actions have no real meaning. <laughs> well, why don't you lunge at me? Okay, here we go. And he does. Ah, yep. And she <laughs> she turns her back, and he just he 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 fades into sparkles. He sparkles. Yeah, he and, turns into sparkles. <laughs> he sparkles and disappears. <laughs> And she opens up the bedroom door, and she steps into what, Steve? Uh, she steps outside on her front, out of her front door, and it's this beautiful, bright day, but it's a little foggy. Yeah, it's foggy and bright. It's, yeah. And her mom's alive. Yeah, and she's uh, she's not drinking, but boy, she hasn't kicked the smoking habit. No, she's not. She's still smoking, but she's not drinking, and everything looks so great. Yeah. And oh, everything's so... Oh, someone just drove up. All of her friends are alive. Glenn and Tina and Rod? That's right. I, there's no way this is a dream. Not at all. And then she walks down and she gets into the car. And then the car, the, the convertible roof to the car slams shut. And that's weird. The pattern on the convertible car roof is exactly the same pattern as Freddy's sweater. What a coincidence. Uh-oh, the windows are rolling up by itself. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What do you think this could mean? I don't know. Oh, the the car drove off right past a bunch of little girls playing jump rope and singing the Freddy song. Huh. Oh, well, at least Mom's okay. Oh, wait, no. A, an arm came out and grabbed a mannequin. When just... <laughs> Just pull the mannequin through the door, the window in the door. Oops. Wait a minute, it's over? <laughs> the end. No, it's not over, because now we get to listen to the worst rock song ever produced for a movie. Nightmare by the iconic band 213. Holy shit, is that an awful song. Who you didn't it? even bother to stay to listen to it, did you? No. Oh, you saved yourself some pain, I've, my friend. I've, I've seen this movie before. I knew there wasn't a post credit scene. <laughs> It was like, he, that's the only reason to watch credits is for the post-credits scene. I don't care about honoring the people who worked hard to make the film. The hell with that. Now, if Wes Craven had gotten his way, and I don't understand how he didn't get his way since he directed this movie, but apparently the original ending was a happy ending. Actually, the original ending of this movie would have pissed off horror fans everywhere, including me, I will readily admit. You want to know what the original ending was? Yeah, what was the original ending? It was a Wizard of Oz ending. <gasps> she Like it was all a dream? It was all a dream. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> That's not a great ending. Nope, but he wanted it to have a happy ending. He wanted it to all be just one big nightmare, and that was uh, the end. The well, end. Well, I mean, he could have had it have a happy ending by just having her defeat Freddy, and that's that. Yeah, that's but no, ending. how can you... You can't, and, you know, you have to. These things have to have a nebulous ending where you're not sure if he's alive or not, like at the end of Halloween. Yeah. Remember at the end of Halloween, they look outside the window and he's gone. He's gone. Which actually is a great ending. It's a great why ending, did, yeah. Why don't we fucking do Halloween? God damn it. <sighs> Anyway, movie <laughs> over the end. Yay! So, Steve, what did you think about this iconic, influential, and deeply psychological... Wait, I gotta take that again. I can't... I'm having a hard time saying psychological... Try it in, again. Riv, in regards to this movie with a living. Okay, I'm gonna do it. <clears throat> Red leather, yellow leather. <clears throat> what do you think of this deeply psychological movie? A nightmare on Elm Street. Which, by the way, sounds much better than a nightmare on Birch Drive and a nightmare on Sequoia Bluffs Road. (laughs) (laughs) A nightmare on South Mountain (laughs) Avenue. Um. (laughs) A mildly upsetting dream on El Camino Boulevard. (laughs) 
Oh, yes, yes. Uh, a, a dark daydream at Apache Junction. That really, that that should have been the franchise. That sounds like an independent film. <laughs> that should have been the franchise. Instead of, like, just doing Nightmare on Elm Street 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, they should have just gone yeah. with, you know, different versions of dreams in different locations. Uh-huh. And that should have been it. Yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, I I mean, as I said at the beginning of our discussion, uh, it looks a lot better compared to the sequels that came after it, mm-hmm. because most of the sequels are, this. with every successive Nightmare on Elm Street sequel that was made, it went further and further into just being comedy, uh, and yeah. it, it wasn't so worried about even trying to be a horror movie. Like, by the time you get to Freddy Part 5, it's basically just Freddy mm-hmm. tossing out one-liners, yeah. you know, and there's no semblance of horror or anything. It's just like a, a goofy comedy. Um, so this at least attempts to be a horror movie. And in that mm-hmm. sense, I suppose you have to say that it's it, not only is it the first, but it's the best of the Nightmare series, at least of that original yeah. run. But mm-hmm. yeah, it do- I don't really think it holds up. I think if you watched it as a teenager or like in my case, you watched. Like I did. <laughs> or in my case where I actually saw some of the later Freddy movies first because that was just the age I was and then went back and watched the original Nightmare much later and thought that it looked good by comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as when I watch it now as an adult, I, I really don't think it's that great of a movie. And <laughs> and there, I mean, it's not terrible. But there, I was struck watching it this time by how much of it really feels like like a second draft of something. It doesn't yeah. feel like a final draft. It there is all kinds of just really awkward stuff in it, like all of those shots of Freddy's glove. It's like he was yeah. still establishing Freddy's glove. You know, two thirds of the way. The B through unit the movie. director must have been so bored of shooting that glove. I mean, there were like, hey, B-Unit director, you have 19 shots to do of Freddy's glove again. Oh, fuck. There, All right. There, there are a couple of shots that are that are about the glove that are somewhat natural of like Freddy mm-hmm. reaching towards something. But there are so many shots of just he's just delivering a normal line of dialogue. And for no reason, he holds the glove up next to his face. There's like, one when he says this is God. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. OK, because we forgot about the glove because that was the entire opening credit sequence. Which, by the way, he says almost with no filter on his voice. Yeah. Did you notice that? I did notice that, yeah. He, he, his voice changes throughout the entire thing where sometimes it has the filter on it, sometimes it doesn't have the filter on it. It's really just a, it's really just a crapshoot. In the later movies, it always had the filter, but in the first movie, sometimes it was Robert Englund's voice and sometimes it was his voice through a filter. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's there's all there's the awkward focus on the glove for some reason, even after it's long since been established. There's uh like we were talking during the uh during the recap, there are just it, it the movie sets up rules and then just completely disregards them. Like it, at first it seems like okay, Freddy can only affect the real world if it's something that he does in a dream. So like if he cuts you in a dream, then you wake up with a cut or something like that. Right. But then all of a sudden he's like strangling the kid in the jail cell and we don't see yeah. anything from a dream to do with that all we see nope. is is just the 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 sheet going around his neck so can freddy make mm-hmm. things happen in the real world or can't he well i you think know? you have to be asleep and then he does things in the real world that don't have anything to do with what you're dreaming about i don't know yeah it just you know it and like i was saying apparently johnny depp dreamt that he was asleep and then freddy's hand came up and took him yeah yeah that's another i mean i know that a lot of the 
a lot of the the film is based on trying to blur the line between the waking world and the dream world, and it actually well, makes. Well, then a, he needs to take some some lessons from Terry Gilliam because well, that's his whole deal. Yeah, and and it actually makes sense if 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 uh, he originally intended for the entire movie to be a dream, if that was mm-hmm. his preferred ending, um, that explains a, a lot of those choices, uh, uh-huh. especially the little girls at the beginning. And also at mm-hmm. the end, uh, if we're meant to think that it was all a dream all along, um, but you know, it it, may, it it really saps the drama out of it because yeah, you you see just Johnny Depp's character laying on bed, laying on the bed asleep, and then shit just starts to happen to him, and like yeah. there's no kind of there's no kind of dream thing happening, and he he's asleep in the dream, yeah. <laughs> so you know, there's not even like oh, Freddie likes to torture his victims, like no, he's asleep. And he just yep. gets pulled down and murdered. So, yeah. you know, um, and it, it's, you know, it's hard to say that it was all that creative with the premise. I mean, if you have as the premise that the monster the premise was new, that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think it works as well as it does, because it, it feels novel because it hadn't been done before. Yeah. But if you think about it, I mean, you have a killer who enters your dreams and mm-hmm. uh, just so happens all the dreams take place at their own houses or, you know, in that same basement, <laughs> you know. It just it just feels like a lot of missed opportunities, um, and yeah, that stuff with Wes Craven, you know, coming back years later and explaining all the psychological Not meanings just behind him. everything. Uh, the fans of this movie do it too. Oh, absolutely. And and look, I think there there is there is some of that that is acceptable, right? Because I mm-hmm. do think there are not just with these Freddy movies, but with Friday the Thirteenth also. Uh, I think it's valid to point out, you know, themes about uh, the ne- the neglecting of parents of their children mm-hmm. and yeah. you know the, the the using the the horror genre and certain tropes in the horror genre to comment on like puberty and anxiety about sex and all those sorts mm-hmm. of things but that's about it like yeah. you know and that's very sort of surface level stuff it really i really don't think this movie holds up to the kind of deep you know, thematic analysis yeah. that it has sometimes been subjected to. I just don't think there's that much there. I think it's a dopey, mostly enjoyable horror Cheap. movie che- with some clever ideas and a few decent yeah. twists. But other than that, like mm-hmm. it's that's about all there is to it. So it's I wouldn't call it a bad movie uh, at all. But you know, does it deserve to be thought of as like a great horror movie? You know, on the Mount Rushmore of horror films? I, no, not really. Yeah. Um, my turn. Yeah, please. I would love okay. to hear what you have to say. Okay, I saw this as a teenager and when I saw it I once again the whole idea of the supernatural killer was novel because we had had you know before Jason Voorhees became supernatural he was just a freaky guy in a mask yeah. and you know Mike Myers was freaky guy in a mask and that was about it they hadn't turned into supernatural killers yet and Freddy was this supernatural killer and he comes into your dreams and that's that was novel at the time and I will you know I will say that this film influenced horror films for the rest of the 80s and and it took a little while for them to break free of this type of aesthetic where we're going to have some supernatural shit and a whole bunch of teenagers that get killed and blah, 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 blah. And this movie, but here's the thing. This movie didn't establish the lure. What do we think of when we think of horror movies from this time period? Teenagers, they have sex, they get killed. Usually there's a girl protagonist that either survives to the end or su- survives long enough to get killed at the end or whatever. But it's usually a girl protagonist. It's seldom ever a male protagonist that, that survives. <clears throat> 
<clears throat> and there's gore, and the teenagers are obsessed with sex, and maybe sometimes drugs. But that movie, but this movie didn't establish those premises. Yeah. Halloween did, and Friday the 13th did. Freddy came along and said, okay, we're going to add this next element in it. We're going to expand the genre a little bit and make it into supernatural stuff. Now, the premise of uh, Killer That Goes to Your Dreams is novel, but I really felt that it didn't go anywhere with it. I mean, when I think of where they could have gone with this premise, you know, with the premise that this is someone who's invading your dreams, I never felt like we were going into their dreams. Right. Because what happened, nine times out of ten, they wake up at home, in the bed, next to the person they fell asleep with, and they're just wandering around, and then all of a sudden, creepy guys, creepy finger shows up and murders them. <laughs> and yeah, he does a couple of creepy things to his own body, but nothing about it felt terribly dreamlike. Every once in a while, they'd turn a corner and they would be in a new location. But at no point did you ever feel like he was exploiting their dreams. You never right. felt like they were having a dream about something that was specific to the character. Because none of these characters have any. There is nothing <laughs> about these characters that set each other apart with the exception of Rod, who has a switchblade. That's it. So when I look at the movie as a whole, I, it has an interesting premise that doesn't really go anywhere, that they only play with tangentially. It, it basically if they had taken the whole dream thing out and it was just a guy with a knife hand who showed up and killed people while they were asleep, there wouldn't have been much different in this. If you took away he comes at you in your dreams and it was he comes at you at night when you're asleep, there's almost no difference. They're running around the same locations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he could have just been spooky ghost man who kills people. But um, the other thing about it is, is that this movie is... Guys... I know there are fans of this movie, but I'm going to say it. This movie is boring as fuck. <laughs> the main characters are boring. None of them are funny. None of them are interesting. None of them are developed to any point that would make them interesting. Nancy can barely act. <laughs> she can yell okay. Johnny Depp is awful. Everyone in this movie is awful. The mom is awful. I don't mean awful as in a character. I mean awful as in the way the actor is portraying them on. <laughs> this is almost like high school dramatics level acting. Yeah. And it's put up on screen. So it kind of takes away with my whole I'm invested in these characters and I want to see them live. It's more like can we just get to the next plot point? The only person that seems to be investing any character into anything is the one character that gets the least amount of screen time and that's Freddy Krueger. He's the only one that's interesting in this. Small wonder he becomes the central focus of the later films. Yeah. Is because he's the only one that seems to have, who seems to be working. Who <laughs> seems to know what they're doing as an actor. <laughs> so uh, the soundtrack is god awful. It is a synthesizer. If you heard the theme, the dun dun dun, that's Freddy theme. They play it 19, 20 times in the film. There's nothing remarkable about that. None of the practical effects are terribly good. They all look as cheap as fuck and they're dumb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and while I appreciate that the lots of people really like this movie because it was different, different doesn't necessarily make you a classic. There are other movies that came out after this that took the supernatural theme and went somewhere with it. And this is where I'm going to disagree with you, Steve, in regards to the later films not as good as this one. Because in my opinion, the best Freddy movie, better than one, is uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Now, that and is a good reason, one. And the reason why 3 is better than 1 is very simply you had a group of kids who all had their individual 
individual things. They were all very interesting on their own. When Freddy would invade their nightmares, they were invading things that were specific to them and those characters. He was invading their personal space, their own personal dreams and whatever. And they were kids who were actively trying to combat him on his own terms, on his own grounds. And yes, Blankenkamp comes back or whatever, but I mean, the movie itself is more interesting and more fun. And it had a much better song. Yeah. And I know, <laughs> thank you. And a lot of it other did. people are like, I don't like it when he gets all jokey. And it's like, this is, that's the movie where he started to get jokey is in three. Yeah. And he started having catchphrases. I don't mind it because we're having to spend more time with it. It made him cruel. It's only until the later ones that he becomes comic relief. In this one, he's still relatively, relatively dangerous. The dream sequences seem more dreamy and he was capable of doing much more things. He, he cuts the veins out of a kid and turns him into a marionette and then yeah. leads him up to the top of a building. And then you see a gigantic Freddy using his claw hand as the marionette thing. And then he cuts it and then he falls. And that's, that's interesting. That's visually interesting. This movie, other than the stretch Armstrong scene where he stretches his arms out and it looks goofy as shit. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of other things. You know, people are like, oh, that time where his mouth turned into, when the, the telephone turned into a mouth and tongue. And it's like, there's nothing, no. There's nothing in here that's truly scary. There's no surprises in it. If you're, you want to go watch a classic horror movie at, at Halloween time, and you actually want to get something, a little meat with your potatoes, watch, watch, watch three. Don't watch this one. You don't need to watch one to get three. Yeah, Langenkamp shows up and she, somehow she's still alive. <laughs> yeah. But she comes across as the person that's dealt with Freddy before, and she's here to help the kids out. That's fine. We don't need... We don't... Yeah. Or how about Watch Halloween, which was the movie that we argued back and forth which one we were going to do. <laughs> or watch the first Friday the 13th. Or watch... You know, there's um a lot... I would like to say that there's stuff in here that I like, but... <laughs> <laughs> There isn't. Guys, I fell asleep watching this movie. <laughs> right after Rod died, I was right after Rod died, I was like, whoop, I'm out. And I woke up, woke up again and like, oh, wait, how did we get to here? How did we get to where she's beating him up? I don't understand. Oh, I got to go back and watch what I missed. So clearly you weren't that scared of Freddy if you fell asleep. No, I wasn't. And, you know, I know lots of people love this movie and they praise it and they love showing, oh, well, the psychological components of this is like when that blood shoots up out of the bed, that's, you know, a metaphor for ejaculation and all this other stuff. And it's that thing that I complained about in the other movies that do this, in the other movies that had this shit. How do you jerk off if that's a metaphor for ejaculation? <laughs> Jesus Well, Christ. I can only get off if I think about a gigantic fountain of blood spreading up out of the I mean, bed. Maybe you need to just go a little slower, okay? People oh, want to say this is a commentary on Reagan's America and blah, 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 blah. No, Wes Craven made a commentary about Reagan's America. It was called The People Under the Stairs. <laughs> That's his commentary on Reagan's America. And if you want a better one, go watch They Live. Yeah. That's a commentary on Reagan's America. There you go. It's kind of hard to this miss was that a, one. This was a goofy slasher movie in which the killer just happened to invade people's dreams. The end. And while I'm not going to discount its importance to the how it influenced the genre, I'm not saying that this is a movie that needs to be held up in praise. So, bottom line, not a class. <laughs> Steve, I would I would have to agree with that. I would have to say it it, it does not live up to its reputation. Uh, nope. I will say it does it it did uh, create something that wound up being a very large part of my childhood, which was the Freddy Krueger character. Because yes. I, I did go through a period when I was a kid and early into my adolescence where I was a big fan of these movies, uh, and Freddy Krueger was sort of like a very common character that I would always go to for entertainment. And I even I even mm -hmm. used to watch. Freddie used to have a TV show.
show called Freddy's Nightmares. It was like a, an anthology show where it was basically a really crappy version of the Twilight Zone where Freddy mm-hmm. was where, where Freddy was Rod Serling. And and now and you know and, and it ran. Hey kids, guess what? Everyone dies at the end of this. <laughs> Oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was totally by that point it was Freddy in total like comedian mode. So he wasn't yeah. even that scary. It was just Freddy nope. coming in and doing the introduction and the outro, just telling jokes and being Freddy. Um, <laughs> And that's basically it. And, you know, and I just remember that very fondly. So even though I don't think this movie deserves the, the reputation that it has garnered, um, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that is just conventional thinking that the first film in the series is always the best one. You know, I think a lot of people don't no. even put a lot of thought into it. Um, but, oh yeah, I don't think the movie itself deserves its reputation. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, kids. Do you agree with us? Don't agree with us? Whatever. Don't we? Now we're going to recommend movies that we want you to see. Yeah. Right, Steve? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And hopefully they're, they're horror spooky movies for this horror spooky episode. So what Werner Herzog spooky movie <laughs> are you going to recommend, Steve? <laughs> Werner Herzog only made one slasher film, and no. Um, <laughs> well, we... <laughs> We mentioned um, we mentioned a few times that that whether you like the movie or not, Nightmare on Elm Street did wind up being a very influential film for 1980s horror movies. And one of the things that made it so influential and so interesting at the time was that it did find this uh, clever or somewhat fresh twist on the slasher movie that had mm. been revitalized by Halloween and Friday the 13th. And so I thought it would be fun to recommend a movie that was actually uh, an influence on slasher movies in general, uh, sort mm. of a and a, a pre-slasher movie or like a proto-slasher movie. So uh, the movie I'm going to recommend is a movie from 1963 that is one of the first quasi-slasher movies that people identify and talk about. And it mm-hmm. is a movie called Violent Midnight. Oh. Uh, that is, it, it, a lot of it sort of plays like a standard murder mystery because the identity of the killer is kept a secret. But there are also yeah. a lot of elements here, both plot-wise and visually that we find picked up by uh, sort of as as tropes by slasher movies much later, like shots from the killer's point of view of like the killer mm-hmm. watching his future victim and uh, the killer having a very distinctive costume. In this case, it's like a, a black trench coat and a fedora hat. Uh, and that's something that the later slashers very much adopted. The killer would have a very distinctive looking costume. And, and it, mm. I, I can't necessarily tell you that Violent Midnight is itself a great movie. Uh, it's not really a great movie, but if you are interested in, in horror film, if you're interested in film history and you want to look at a movie like Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween or Friday the 13th or some of the other like mm. classic slasher films and you want to see something that maybe sort of contributed to the creation of that style and that aesthetic and the tropes that those movies rely on I would recommend that you check out Violent Midnight it's not very widely seen but it is available on uh, streaming services and if you want to see maybe a little bit of uh, like a, a prehistory of the slasher film genre check it out Violent Midnight well gee thanks for the history lesson Instead of a spooky movie. History is spooky. (laughs) You know what? You recommend what you want. I'll recommend what I want. Okay, well, that's kind of the deal, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, I'm going to recommend, once again, I recommend a movie from the same year that Nightmare on Elm Street came out. And believe it or not, a a few movies came out that would be considered horror, like Gremlins. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I need to make a recommendation to go see Gremlins, do I? (laughs) No, I don't. But there was another um, horror movie, and it's more of a horror comedy that came out that a few people know about, but not very many people know about. I remember when I watched 
watched it. I enjoyed it, and I still have good memories of it. It's still it's like 83% of Rotten Tomatoes score, so enough people have seen it where they liked it. That movie is a zombie movie before zombies became super fucking popular, <laughs> but it's also an apocalypse movie. Whoa, how about that? It came out, like I said, in 1984, and that movie is called Night of the Comet. Ooh. <laughs> Night of the Comet is about how a comet comes, and it vaporizes most of the people on Earth, and the ones that survive, most of them are zombies. And it's about these two sisters that manage to not turn into zombies, and they have to run around L.A., and they're surviving the apocalypse, and zombies try to get them, and it's fun, and it's funny. And it was written and directed by Tom Eberhardt, and stars uh, Robert Beltran, Catherine Mary Stewart, a whole bunch of nobody. You don't know. There's nobody in this, and I think went on to major careers. <laughs> hey, Robert Beltran was Chakotay on Star Trek Voyager, so a little respect, please. What? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, you were right. Okay. Anyway, um, it was good. It's a good movie. It's you know, I'm not saying it's the greatest movie in the world, but it's definitely if it, you want to watch it and have fun, it's one of those movies where you can watch and have fun, eat popcorn, not take seriously, even though it is about the end of the world. It, it's still you know, it's it's fun, light popcorn film. It has some scary stuff in it, some gross stuff in it. It's good. So go find Night of the Comet. Thank God we're done with Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> we can now, now, <gasps> now from now on we can just watch nice, not scary, hopefully. Hopefully, you know, yeah. um, like uplifting. We and... can watch uplifting movies that make us feel better about ourselves. Is uh, maybe we'll watch something that makes us feel better about this country, yes. considering the elections exactly. coming up. Something morally you know? affirming that speaks yeah. to the higher parts of our nature. Exactly. So, yeah. what are we doing next? Yeah. <laughs> We're doing Birth of a Nation. Oh, oh the new Nate Parker movie. No. <laughs> Oh. We're doing the 1924 black and white Ku Klux Klan propaganda film. <sighs> that's what I thought. Birth of a Nation. Guys, this is another one of those films that's been a long time coming mm-hmm. for the two of us. Mm-hmm. It comes up in conversation every once in a while where we say, hey, what are we going to do when we bring up Birth of a Nation? And then we swerve to something else. And then <laughs> and we, then we laugh and laugh and laugh <laughs> as if we'd ever do that one. <laughs> But we're getting it over with. Yep. We're doing it. So next time, guys, I can't believe I'm telling you to do this. <laughs> if you want to get all the jokes mm. or understand why Jason weeps <laughs> through most of the next podcast. Or you just want to know what it feels like to have to take a shower after watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> then go out and find Birth of a Nation because that's what we're going to watch and review next time. Yes, we are. Right, Steve? We're going to we're going to we're going to watch. We're not taking a film class or anything. <laughs> we're just going to watch it. Yeah, we don't have to listen to a watch a teacher, a, a film scholar uncomfortably tell us about what's important right. about Birth of a Nation. Yeah. You know, the language of modern cinema was essentially synthesized in this oh god. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You see in this scene where the where the black man uh-huh. oh, actually it's, it's a white actor in black it's actually face. a white actor in black face. oh god why did i okay. do this in, in this scene during the birth of the clan using heroic <sighs> camera placement <sighs> hey you know what hey kids uh... <laughs> you know what we're gonna watch a trip to the moon we're gonna watch a trip to the moon <laughs> we'll like that right it's a fun come on okay according to my notes here the the insect aliens on the moon were supposed to be jews oh, who wrote this oh, God. Are there is all history awful? <laughs> Are there any non-racist early films? <laughs> oh God. Okay, kids, that's it. We have even more horrors in store for you next time when they review Birth 
of a nation. Until next time, kids. This has been Jason. Holy shit, he's got an axe. Harding! <laughs> and go see a movie next week. I command you. <laughs> and this has been Steve Shives. And remember, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. <laughs> Whoa, I'm not Nancy. <laughs> Oh, oh, this I'm is a wrong number, dude. I'm so sorry. Is this? Is Who it, are you trying to get a hold of? Is this two two four five three three one? No, this is two two four five three two two. Oh God, I am so. Oh. Who are you trying to get a hold of, man? I was, uh, I was calling Nancy Thompson. I don't know. Oh, Nancy Thompson. Yeah, she lives right down the street. Yeah, th- She's been acting really weird uh-huh. lately. Are you one of her friends? You, 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 you know anything that's going on with her? No. I know a couple of her friends died. Yeah, it's, I just, you know what? I this, I'm just gonna hang up and call Nancy back. So I, no, I'm sorry okay. for interrupting your your evening. Look, I'm really lonely. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Stay on the line. Uh, hardly anyone ever talks to me. Okay. You know, I've been watching Nancy for a really long time, and. Um, you know, I, I've been uh, doing this kind of like practice thing uh-huh. where I go up to girls and I pretend that they're Nancy and then I drug them and I drag them into my basement you and do. I kill them and I call them Nancy and one day I'll go up and do that. Um, so do you think I'm okay? Um, do you think I'm doing all right things? Are, when, when, when are you planning to do that to the real Nancy? Oh, you know, tonight. Yeah, well, r- around midnight, you know. Well, you better hurry up. Goodbye. Click. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Darkest ending ever. <laughs> Yay. Happy Halloween. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening. This show is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to contribute as little as $1 a month to help fund this podcast, please visit our website at www.lemmylistenpodcast.com and click on the Patreon logo. If you can't, or just don't want to, no biggie.